after weeks in the wilderness, I'm back. Uh, we are returning to Terminus as scheduled uh, with one catch for tonight. I am the black metal guy, a.k.a. Stonehammer Sentinel. And I am Hyper Shaman, a.k.a. I play ogres in Warhammer because I like to see representation in my games. <laughs> and finally, I get to see someone, a body that looks like mine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, ra radical body positivity, right? Ogres are also very positive about the bodies of others, which they like to ingest. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, every Everyone's equal to them. Everyone's, everyone's equal. Everyone's equal in the Great Maw. Right. So um, there's just yeah there there was like an ad at one point it was like some some games workshop thing where it's like little kid looking at like a like from the age of Sigmar one of those stormcasts like look mommy this one looks like me and I'm like look this ogre looks like me <laughs> yeah so death metal guy is not here uh, that is because he for you know we've sort of switched places he had some serious business to deal with but he will be back for the next show and we will be getting back on track with weekly shows um you know i i had a bunch of crazy work shit to take care of and uh i still do but you know terminus has to forge ahead so uh hyper shaman we've got um you know, I, I, God, I was doing a lot of like, you know, I was like listening to some different shit over break. I, I listened to, or over the long break I took, and to some extent you guys took, uh, was listening to um, a lot of Armored Angel. Uh, have you ever listened to the whole discography? I've listened to the full length and like a couple demos before that i mean i i'm i'm pretty sure at some point i checked out like their first few demos but it's not like yeah. something i listen to regularly yeah, like well, I'll, I'll listen to uh you know um angels angel of the sixth order and like mm -hmm. mysterium often enough yeah 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 that's well mysterium's really good yeah i will yeah I, yeah you know, a lot of people think they jumped the shark at Angel of the Sixth Order because they changed lineup. Although, it, I haven't listened to that one all the way through. It's it, uh, I haven't listened to that one through yet. I'd like to. Um, it, yeah, I'm like, a big fan. I've listened to it quiet, and I was like, this is pretty good. But, it, uh, but like, man, the 1995 demo when Jazz Coleman from Killing Joke is producing it is just insane. Um, Wait, what? Yeah. He did? Yep. Which and you can hear that influence on Mysterium, right? The Killing oh, wow. Joke, yeah. Yes, yes. Jazz was oh. actually living in Australia then because he was um, the resident composer at some university. Oh, that's right. He's yeah. like an actual classical music but, guy. Yeah, but he doesn't make it sound like weird early Killing Joke. He gives it this just you know massive Gothic metal production and the. Uh, but I don't know. Yeah, going back through all the demos are so fucking good. I, I bought. I bought the '95 one on uh, from from Hell's Head Bangers on record, but the um, I, I got a couple of the other ones on Bandcamp too, and they're just um, 
it's a stunt. It's like if you play all the demos and EPs through, it's like an, you know, it's a really long album that's perfect. <laughs> Different styles through as they work from, you know, sort of more aggressive thrash and starts getting more death metal and stuff. But it's basically yeah. the same band the entire time. Uh, so I, I, this sort of like bold, noble, uh, mid-tempo driving thrash that sort of stays with it all and just incredible right hand work it's rhythmically so tight the voc and the vocal timing it's like they heard everything that was good about early metallica brought that out <laughs> yeah like he times the vocals to make hooks it's um but not just like cheap hooks it's cr the, the level of songwriting is insane so i i kind of feel like that band should be canonical um, in a way that it's not now, but anyway. So yeah, I, I, I mean, it, 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 it gets, it gets, I think, some good recognition. But no, it, yeah, it's not a like, it, it, it gets recognized to like people like us, of course. Yeah, but even even on the show, we've always had them kind of as an interesting footnote band. Like, oh, did you know that? Right? There's this, you know, very. Yeah. They're doing this very unique thing that's not. It has the the sort of the spirit of black metal. People call it death metal, and it's structured like thrash and goth, right? Um, mm -hmm. And uh, and we've thought, okay, this is this sort of interesting eccentric thing, but I actually think it's it's just awesome and really important. Um, or should become important for bands in the future. Which brings me to the other thing I was thinking about, which is, god damn, black metal has been disappointing this year. Have you noticed that, like, at over half of the bands I brought on the show have been death metal? Yeah, no, I, I, I didn't think about it, yeah, until you kind of brought it up a little in the notes. I kind of thought, wow, you know, actually a lot of, like, most of the black metal I've been listening to this year that, like, is new to me is just new to me like i you know i'm trying to think how many like new black metal 2022 releases well, have i been listening to not much i mean most of the new stuff had that you know i've been having on repeat is death metal or like uh i don't know like weird non-metal stuff yeah yeah and you know to some degree sure there could be a like i've been super busier than i ever have at the time in the years recording the show in the last you yeah. know over the summer so it it's possible that i just haven't had time to uh dig the virtual crates as it were um but like yeah. but i don't really I, i'm not i'm you know i'm subscribed to all the channels I, I i have my ear to the ground it's i'm just not hearing or seeing a lot that compels me um and it's uh it's uh it's interesting um and i think we'll talk about that more when i do our sort of uh two years of terminus segment coming up when the death metal guy comes back uh maybe yeah. not the first thing when he returns but we'll do that soon and we'll have you on for a round table type thing yeah, yeah yeah we'll 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 talk a little bit about the 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 state of the genre all right well so Let's see. So, yeah, tonight we've got a um, pretty cool lineup for you. And I made sure we had some very uh, crushing down the line black metal uh, for our last uh, for our last recording, but very unique. Um, well, we got to give you something as a welcome back. Oh, thank you. Yeah. But I'm also very excited about the first band we have coming up, which is a, uh, a, a, a Terminus Legend Returns. Um, however... First, I have to do the bullshit. So, um, yes. 
first, uh, you can follow us on, you can, uh, first you can follow us on like Facebook or on Instagram. Uh, the, you know, the death metal guy always does this part of the show. So I don't even have the tabs pulled up to read you the URLs. Um, but the, uh, you know, there's a terminus Instagram, there's a terminus Facebook and boy, I'm out of practice. Okay. No, Facebook is uh, face, see, uh, terminus podcast in- on Facebook. Yeah, here we got Terminus Podcast, Facebook, Terminus Extreme Metal on Instagram. Yep, there we uh, go. Thanks, bro. The the Patreon is just the true Terminus. Yeah, I mean, if or no, no, no sorry, one's gonna, that's Podbean. No, oh god, we no one's gonna want the uh, no, no one's gonna want to support us on Patreon after after this this shambles of an intro. Uh, yeah. But um, what about do is it, is subscribe star gone? Right. Yeah, no, they kept yeah, 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 we thought that people might want to support alternative platforms and uh right. then it turned out that nobody did. And then the funny thing is it turned out that we had been supporting alternative platforms, but maybe a little more than we realized. <laughs> yeah, I, right. t- I totally forgot there was a monthly charge. So, uh if there's a ton of interest in that, we can do it again, but I wouldn't do it until like like I, multiple people I, had expressed interest. It's um so, yeah, so all of that stuff. And then over and above that, like, what was really cool was in the time when we were basically away, people kept listening to the show. Our numbers weren't that much. Our numbers were basically just a slow, normal week on a lot of those weeks. Um, yeah, and I mean, there's, a, and there's the sh- an impressive backlog. Yeah, and the show you did with the death metal guy has gotten really good, consistent traffic since it came out. Um, and oh, and. Yeah? Yeah, yeah, and that's awesome. So it's uh, and it was a good show, uh, in my in my opinion. Uh, but um, oh, so to, to I think there have still been new people finding the show during this time, or newer fans oh, working sure. their way back through the backlog. And so you know, thanks to all of you for digging in, and you know, it's kind of a vote of confidence. When you find something on the internet that's inactive, it's kind of this coin flip, right? Is this ever going to come back? <laughs> yeah, it's like, it's... do I do I want to? But I mean, with almost, mm-hmm. with almost a hundred. Well, now, well, until now, with just under a hundred episodes, I mean, give someone something to listen to. Oh, yeah, no, <laughs> absolutely. Mean, and even yeah, yeah, even even when I with like uh, like forum the the yeah. forum promo, some of the guys mm-hmm. are like, oh yeah, I started out with episode one, and we're like, oh, you you're just you're just going to start from the beginning and go all power i get all power yeah. to you well uh the intro segment this time is definitely a bit of a, a recall to the the very early dark days of terminus yeah. but but you know well, the uh, death metal guy doesn't have the the guiding light yeah when 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 the death metal guy departs barbarism returns yeah. all right speaking of which let's get into the first record which is a new short 20-minute EP with two very long songs by Dressed in Streams, who uh, we reviewed in fall or winter of 2020, recommended by one of our patrons. Um, And it was a thing that, surface aesthetic aside, right, which was not quite either of our thing, we both just you know i loved and the death metal guy could get into uh and it uh 
We got a really positive reaction from the head of the label, Damien Master, the label's colloquial sound recordings. Uh, his band is a pregnant light. I eventually started listening to his stuff and brought him on uh, last summer. Last summer, right? I did this this essay on um, uh, broken play, and then uh, you know had him on for a a, a very chill interview. Um, and uh, so yeah, so there's a return from this from this label, and uh, dressed in streams uh, was. I just should do some background on the band. This is a band that occasionally pops up. Right. And um, if you want to get a sense of the sound or the history of it, uh, we played a sample on on that first episode, we played a sample from the Azad Hind demo back in 2012. And it was very much in the line of like American Blazebirth Hall worship, right? Uh, regal, nebular, long drawn out structures these swirling reverby riffs, big emphasis on like the most just sort of uh, way, way, way before it was cool in the way it, it is now. There's an emphasis on sort of gut punch, triumphant riffing. Um, and you could classify, it's basically in the same vein as something like, like Laskovic, maybe like uh, Sanguine Eagle or Griselda. Um, mm hmm uh, does that sound about right to you? Have you checked out any of that? Oh, you haven't really checked out the earlier stuff, have you? No, so I, I never, I only just recently kind of started checking mm -hmm. out the, the album. Mm -hmm. I never listened to the demo, but I mean, I've, I've, I've listened to Sanguine Eagle and Leskoviak, so, you know, that gives me a good idea of, like, you know, American Blazebird Ball Hall stuff. Yeah, uh, yeah. Griselda, that's a newer band, right? Griselda, I think it is, but it's related to this... I think it is, but it's related to like uh, the Claxon mm, record oh, scene. Or... I, I think I gave that album a cursory yeah. listen from last yeah. year. Yeah. Yeah. But no. So yeah, that that, that gives me the idea. Yeah. So the um, so yeah, it's this kind of ecstatic, wild stuff. Um, mm -hmm. And then this last thing we listened to, uh, Swaraj, twenty twenty, has riffs like that and that kind of tonality in it. Um, but it is really altered. There are these concise two or three riff songs, um, and instead of having this sort of, you know, spiraling reverby tone, uh, it, there's, you know, hot, focused, concentrated tone, crisp, not like, not chunky mids, sort of crisp, searing mids. Uh, and the riffs would have these neck snap change-ups that you got in the earliest second wave stuff that we, we always talk about having breakdowns and then it's been kind of forgotten as an art right so mm -hmm. it, there's a real the songs are structured and more than that you can hear just actual hardcore riffs and riff ideas on it throughout it so these are sort of black metal songs structured as hardcore songs in t you know there's powerful uh solar glorious trem riffing um but also just crushing breakdowns and uh, songs that have this kind of extended chest thumping mid tempo, uh, mid tempo force to them, almost like neurosisy. So uh, yeah, what? Well, I was say yeah. I mean, that's you know, hearing hearing that the early stuff was very much like a BBH sort of thing mm -hmm. is interesting to me because with this this EP really being my first. Mm -hmm. 
uh, experience with the band, I'm like, oh, this is extremely hardcore. Yeah, so that's what's exciting like, to me. That I didn't feel that structure at all. <laughs> yeah, so that's what's exciting to me. Um, like, I've become rather, yeah, like, I think there's a reason I'm not hearing that much good black metal now, and I think it has something to do with uh, uh, the need for a, uh, a paradigm shift, a, uh, a great reset, if you will. Um, well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Careful there. No. Uh, but um, no. Uh, j- jokes aside, I'm I'm kind of I'm serious in terms of the idea that like, uh, I, I want to hear people structuring things very differently, and and we'll get into that more later. You know, when we talk about it in the abstract, more without the review context. But I, yeah, I really yeah. want to hear. There are musical qualities that I find just totally missing from nowadays BM, uh, and maybe the. F- fact that they were missing back in the day they were missing sort of for a reason and they weren't missing that much and now it's like a problem right so using this kind of hardcore this new one has hardcore structures but it also brings back the sprawl of the earliest stuff but dressed in streams and it has these with the guitar yeah, these songs are organized in a totally different way from this sort of like a, a reoriented black metal song, right? So if there are two problems with nowadays black metal, one would be the grid, which is this sort of uh, originally black metal had this um, part of the aesthetic was violent rigidity, right? Mm-hmm. It was not rock and roll. It was not groove music, man. Right, and it was the sort of intensity and uh, the intensity of thrash carried even to the next level. Right, you're just going to repeat the same thing over and over again. There's going to be this really, you know, uh, maybe sort maybe sort of barbaric discipline. It's yeah, it's discipline. Yeah, exactly. It can be you can be channeling barbaric force through that, but there's an intense there's a discipline to that kind of rigidity. The songs are deliberately closed. There's, you know, it is all just bam, bam, bam. Uh, there's, there's not any sort of exploration or opening in them, except for maybe your majestic intro or outro. And that's all deliberate, and that's part of what makes it sort of crushing and intolerant, right? Yeah, I mean, and that's, uh, that's where a lot of people get the, the, the kind of militaristic attitude of black metal. Exactly, yeah. It's aristocratic scorn. It's, you know, the Swedes yeah. are the epitome of this, which we'll get back to in the last review of this show. Oh, yeah. Um, the, uh, so, so, you know, that, has a, that had a place and a motivation in early BM, but now it's kind of taken for granted. Even in bands that are very raw and ragged, the song structures can have this sort of... Uh, th- the, you know, the song structures can be, the rhythms are set, the rhythms are, don't have a lot of room for physicality or dynamism, and the song structures are set. And the worst example of that is what we call uh, gridded stuff, right? Where the gr- rhythms are just this sort of dragged and dropped template for a bunch of, uh, um, for a bunch of riffs. Which yeah, are the other... The discipline pro- sans barbarism. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, and discipline, discipline without a raison d'être anymore, right? It's, yeah, it's it well, it's, it's no longer, it's no longer discipline. It's convention. Yes, it's no longer. 
it's, it's no longer a it's no longer a direction of force. It is now something that's taken for granted, passive well, and passively it's, it's accepted. Lack of force. Yes, it's passively. No, there accepted. is no force to direct. Yeah. Exactly. You know, the worst example being some of those Franco-Finnish knockoff bands that just sort of template riffs over, you know, some blast and oh, I guess we have to have a skank part now or whatever, right? Um, yeah. Right. Uh, the. Um, but you hear it on, on much more sort of ragged underground stuff, too, in different ways. Uh, and, you know, the other problem with black metal now is riffs, um, which, again, is a thing that existed for a reason at the beginning. That was core to how the music was written. It had inherited it from death metal and thrash. And the great genius of black metal was opening up the riff to a fuller sense of melody and harmony, right? And again, writing songs based on riffs is part of the, you know, violent discipline of the early stuff at this point the riff is just again one of these passively received shouldered burdens yeah you're there it's the riff is so. done because well it's it's done because it's expected yes and at the same time you're, now, you're not yeah well go say go ahead man or, or, or i was just say it's like right writing riffs to have riffs not because like oh this sounds really cool no it's you you okay i need a riff yes i need riffs for this song i need to come up with riffs and to the extent that <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly and to the extent it's like that, i need it and to the yeah and to the extent that there is a focus on riffs it's fetishis fetishistic right exactly. you know like there's a kind like, oh, of dude, the riffs right there's a kind of silly person online like many many people who profess interest many in this music people are just interested basically all they hear is general sense of sound quality and genre right these are the fantano types and whatever the rate your music people and then yeah. if you get a little deeper right there are just a lot of the people who are really love good bands and are true to the ethos of the culture will nevertheless at this moment in terms of the stuff they're most listening to or the stuff that they're writing focus relentlessly relentlessly on the isolated riff and they just that's why i'm always complaining yeah, it's yeah, go it's their their general yeah their understanding revolves around the individual melodic structures they're not you know i guess next you know the rhythm and harmony is there but to them the primary element of anything they listen to is you know chunk of melody chunk of melody you know riff. it becomes weirdly hook oriented yeah and the riffs yeah. also become <laughs> yeah and to maintain and to create variation and to create a sense of sort of over the topness they get longer and they get sweeter and they get more and more you know and it's it's partly just because you know it's like the most extreme example being you know the friendly cat stuff right in you know your uh fucking uh, uh you know what was Toad Oliver Nick Dung or you know Roster Chester yeah I or, mean I I yeah like Ro Roster Chester yeah Total Oliver Nick Dung uh, and Bison Winter but, but you, I mean you know what but what well, I was just saying, I mean, and while, you know, I'm I'm a fan of those three bands. I like Total Verdictung a lot. I don't yeah. see a lot, a lot of what people try to bring from, the, it's one of those things where the, the original, the original bands are cool, but I'm not yeah. super into a lot of it, the it, stuff that comes yeah, after exactly. it. Yeah, exactly. I think a big part of it has just been like, people are, uh, you know, like, in part, it's just like, what scares the pussies away? And everyone's just like, well, Argos, Lent, GBK, 
right? And so now everyone sounds, everyone has these really elaborate florid riffing structures, you know, like, mm-hmm. you know, the, the, you know, we get the, uh, the Grenadier last show as an example of how influential those bands have become kind of recently. Um, yeah. And, and, you know, great bands, but, uh, you know, the, the, the way their influence has gone is this sort of riff fetishism, um, that ironically makes the music poppy over time. <laughs> um, yep. so, so what, back to this record, right? So these are just ideas that have been rattling around in my, I, I, I told, I told Hyper Shaman I wasn't going to go into all this on the show and then I did, I fucking did. It's um, fine. It's yeah. fine. I, yeah. you know, it, it, sometimes you got to let it, you got to let it, uh, let loose a little steam. I think let it's important. some of the pressure so it's, you don't pop. That's, that's, that's true. So I think, yeah, I can't, I can't pop on air. People wouldn't want to hear that. Um, no. So, so the thing is, um, the thing is now coming back to this particular record, how does it respond to those problems? Well, it, we get tons of rhythmic openness and dynamism, right? That is the songs are not locked into the grid and there is not a, uh, there is tons of mid-tempo physicality. There are tons of, you know, time switches. Uh, and it's informed by the hardcore, the sense of body music in this. Um, but also, and the, the sense of sort of uh, highly inflected, spontaneous playing. But it's also just inflected by uh, what is supposed to you know, the folk element in this music, which was present on, on the last one, Swaraj, and that's been brought out even more. So this is influenced also by, according to the promo, Hindustani classical ragas. Can you hear that? Uh, I mean, so my, my only riff in my only relation or, uh, experience with ragas is through like another genre that is related to ragas not Mm -hmm. ragas directly like um and actually no you know that now that i think of it yeah it does because so i i've listened to a lot of uh like american primitivism like Mm -hmm. american primitivist guitar playing Mm -hmm. like uh specifically like robbie basho is super into indian ragas he even has like three different songs called an american raga or something Mm -hmm. and it's just these dudes who like taught themselves how to play 12 string guitar and finger pick and all that and uh and yeah i mean i can hear a lot of that just like yeah very very big floor uh not not floor very big like saturated um repeating pattern guitar patterns with that um yeah have different little inflections or changes here yeah so it's saturated is a great word there the the layering here is really really dense in the same way it would be if you're playing a sitar um, yeah, and, this... and that's and that's exactly like what these guys were doing with the twelve string guitar. Yeah. They were finger picking to get that that those layers of mm-hmm. multiple overlapping sound. Yeah, and layers all over this just solid continuum, right? This is intensely droning. Um, yeah, in a way, yeah, the... and that's definitely a raga thing. And it's also a Slavic black metal thing. So in in that way, wow. but in in that way, he's activating more of the ukrainian stuff that was also prominent on swaraj but he's indo-european blood memory something exactly yeah there is (laughs) both of he's he he, he's going for this indian feel but he also has access to how you generate this feel in black metal 
right? And there he's yeah, using these the two jungle. things together, right? So you get this just really powerful drone. And then you said something about the, you know, subtle changes and whatever. Uh, you know, um, the, the other part of this is total war on riffs, right? Mm -hmm. The riff is no longer the be all end all of guitar technique. Most of the isolated riffs, if you said, you know, they all sound fucking awesome for a variety of reasons, but they, none of them do like the big riff thing. Um, no, they're just, it's, it's part of a whole part of a whole and there are many things there are many cool things happening on guitar that you just really can't describe as riffs or it's just not the best word for them yeah, yeah um, I mean, so uh, and like I've, my understanding of a raga is it's supposed to be like uh uh like set sets of conventional uh like conventionalized phrases that yeah yeah so or like it's like think of it as like how we you know in america we have like the 12 bar blues mm -hmm. like ragas are like that it's like a certain sequence mm -hmm. that you for lack of a better word even though we're saying they're moving away from it you riff on it but riffing in the traditional sense where it's it, it, it feels to a degree almost a little improvised hence the little variations oh. here and there yes You're, i you're... This is highly improvisatory music, and yeah, I think it's basically. solving it's solving a problem that, you know, uh, it's it's speaking to one of the things that has been lacking in the rigidity and riff-basedness of latter-day black metal is a kind of improvisation that is not the shitty heavy metal solo. Right? Yeah, well, well you're, you're, you're sticking to a structure. You have a discipline via mm. a structure, but you're still playing with the structure you're not playing the structure yeah 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 yeah. um and it's it's just like it's a kind of improv that you can hear on stooges records and on early mm -hmm. uh certain yeah. kinds of noise rock and shit like that but it oh, is absolutely but you know it's not in hardcore for the for the most part and it is uh not in thrash or black metal or whatever and there are good reasons for all of that but um but it is elemental to if the first extreme music record is you know funhouse it, it is fundamental to extreme music and it's coming back here which is so exciting to me so it's this droning sustained uh organic improv that happens over the course of the entire song it's not isolated in this little solo um and uh yeah man it's just fucking cool so let's listen to it yeah so this is sample from the queen of a, and i don't know if i'm pronouncing this right but the queen of awad addresses her fighters from an elephant on the battlefield
yeah, so I I didn't even notice before. I noticed that now listening to that sample, how much uh, the two guitars kind of do separate things here and there. That was pretty cool. I didn't notice that before. Yeah. No, and that's totally... Wow, I guess that's... Yeah, that's good we're talking about it. Because I never, I never thought about that connection to uh, the ragas as much now with especially that open spacey passage right before the uh, the drums kick in yeah so the the, the record is structured one th thing that makes it really different from uh, uh a either from traditional black metal or from you know the decadent nowadays forms that are common mm -hmm. is uh is the it is this sort of the way it's structured there they're just open it moves like there are open parts and parts where it tightens up more right and those don't neatly correspond to blasting parts or uh you know say punk beat parts or whatever they they, they change but like yeah you got that um yeah it opens as he drives the beat ahead in the middle of that sample, it opens out and he starts doing different kinds of layers on top of it. And he's, th this is a good thing what you said. It's like about improv in this tradition, non, non, non-wank improv, let's say, is you are riffing. Tr yeah, like tr the, uh, of the traditional, like the traditional meaning of improvisation where you're, you're, you're kind of essentially variations on a theme yeah yeah it's the the cool kind of improv is not playing a solo in the sense of like a guitar 80s guitar god shit and it's not like uh, it's not playing a bebop solo either really in my opinion it's although that's like sort of a gold standard for really skillful improv it's um i would it's it's i mean making up riffs on the spot and this guy does that wonderfully. Yeah, I mean, improv is like, you know, some people show up with instruments at, you know, the the pub and they, mm -hmm. you know, rock out in, you know, an Irish reel. Exactly, yeah. This is, yeah. Some, a that would reel be... or a raga, what's the difference? Not much. Yeah, set droning, set forms, exactly. You know, uh, so this is that kind of like... I'm not saying, like, you can play a guitar solo in this way, and many of the best solos are. The Stooges yeah. solos work like this. They are unfolding continuums of riffing, right? Uh, but, yeah, so you get that open part, and then it locks back in. And, you know, you had something interesting to say about the riff, too, the riff under that. Yeah. Um, what, when I was listening to it, I'm like, wow, this is really familiar. This mm -hmm. feels like I've, I've – uh, this feels like something I've heard before. And I'm like, oh, this is like non ducor duco by Spite Extreme Wing. Like, some of those first couple of songs on that album have kind of that, that you know, jing, 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 you know, um, uh, oh. sli slightly jangly chugging with a kind of a punkish stomp. Yeah, to me it scans sort of as like a deliberately kind of spare filler version of, you know, the Senor Volant type thing. However, I really hear what you mean, especially in terms of the way the root notes are changing. It, it works by changing root notes in an interesting way. It's sort of like a steadier or more stable thing. And the way it's so just simplified in a good way. Mm. Yeah, and I, and I think, you know, it ties into the whole solar idea mm -hmm. of riffing for sure. Or the, uh, the melodicism. 
solar solar riffing in what makes it solar being the melody and like you said that root note the way it works with uh the a kind of tightness of the root notes oh i hear that yeah yeah there's a closeness in the core yeah like there's um mm-hmm. s- yeah I, I hear you mean small slides up from root note to root note yeah um it's and you know yeah the, the music of the mood of this music is yeah, yeah highly solar it is sort of uh you know the the sort of uh, burning, burning masculine force linked to, uh, you know that that is sort of bright and affirmative, right? When a lot of our mm-hmm. listeners have heard us use that description before to just capture stuff that doesn't quite fit in the traditional black metal mood, but here that that's really at the center of the music. And although you could describe something like Spite Extreme Wing as solar black metal because they're still structured like black metal songs. Mm-hmm. These aren't, and that's exciting and no. interesting, right? Or like Maquahedal songs are structured like black metal songs or kind of like folky songs, right? Like this is, and this Maybe is... even skate punk once in a while. Yeah, once in a while, right? <laughs> so so this is, right, they have, this is structured in a completely different way, and it's a, it's a different... For Spite Extreme Wing, that energy is, is, is has to do with this sort of... Um, uh, Appaline structure to it, um, even though there's a lot of energy and spontaneity in the plane, um, and an inflection in the rhythm. Here, that spontaneity and inflection is just like organizing everything. Um, uh, you know, it. A lot of this music could be jammed in a good way. Um, you, you know, and then, you know, we got to talk about the heavy mid-tempo stuff, right? How about that that, that last beat, right? Dun, 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 yeah, dun, no, it's, it, it's essentially like a breakdown. It's a breakdown, for lack of a better word. It's a breakdown made by, made out of the Graveland beat, <laughs> which is really cool. Graveland is another. The G beat. Yeah, the G beat. <laughs> yeah, the... <laughs> Exactly. And it's, you know, it's not locked into the set form. It's not just, oh, we need a Graveland beat. It's like, what can I do with that? What is the sense of possibility here? The possibility space is way more open here. Um, Just those, like, the chokes and the downbeat emphasis, just really heavy. Um, And, you know, Graveland is another sort of touchstone for this kind of just muscular sprawling mid-tempo black metal um well and it comes back to i mean and i always heard that a lot in graveland the uh, i i guess i don't know i don't know if i want to say droning guitar but the more saturated folk folk ish mm-hmm. chording no it, it absolutely big, is big wide chords it big wide chords and it absolutely is based on drone i i hear graveland is one of the the drone bands yeah, um, and I guess, I guess um, maybe maybe it's just my 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 past in my life of dealing with uh, hipsters and drone metal. Maybe drone has become a dirtier word in my mind, maybe oh, not consciously, but it that, it, make, it gives me a twinge of like, oh, drone. That's a good point. I mean, I wonder if that's true for a lot of people, and I wonder if that sort of turned them off of deliberately engaging more with these ideas. 
The irony yeah, and being I, and I that drone metal doesn't really work for the most part by no. engaging root tonality and drone metal works no, by you, being bad. You need it, yeah. And I think I think I need to reframe. <laughs> I didn't I didn't think about that at first. You got you got me. <laughs> um, I I think I need to reframe the word drone in my mind to think more about things, you know, like uh, throat singing. And, exactly. Uh, exactly. Uh, the hardanger fiddle and more traditional, yeah. Dr- traditional yes. ethnic music styles. And drone is fundamental. I mean, I use that word on the show a lot. I see it as fundamental to a certain kind of, well, really to black metal in general, especially the stuff oh, yeah. that's more stripped down and primordial. Like a strong black metal is definitely about strongly centered root and octave tonality. However, right, you couldn't describe, like, Sacramentum as drone music, right? And you couldn't really describe Mayhem as that either, even on Dinosaurus. Certain bands really emphasize it more. Dark Throne does it. Iljarn does it. Hate Forest, right? They literally have drone tones running throughout. And so they're super influenced by Graveland, right? So just imagine the drone. If you listen to, like, the the, the heaviest drone Graveland album is Thousand Swords. Um, yeah, and I and I think that comes back to being actually related to mm-hmm. folk guitar styles because yep, yep. you know tradition. You know, I mean, a lot of black metal is notable among a lot of extreme metal that you know they use a lot of times will use whole chords, not just power chords or you know a three note chord. They'll use you know four five note chords. I mean. I remember one of the first times I was ever, you know, getting a black metal, it was some video of Varg in his little French shack mm-hmm. being like, oh, I never, you know, I never did power chords. I used whole chord. Look at this. I play all five strings. Kind of. <laughs> I'm like, huh. I guess he does. But, but it comes back to the way you can get the drone is because using those whole chords, those yeah. big big wide chords mm-hmm. um you have so much more to work with and you can keep you can hold some of those notes over keep a couple of those notes so you have yeah. that essentially the drone that's tying all of this together right and the easy way to do it is just write everything over the low string and hold the low string and all the trim but you can also yeah sustain yeah. graveland sustains ringing high chords yeah right uh, yeah, yeah. And, and that and I think that's where that's where kind of the drone metal thing becomes dirty. Is it's like why does it just have to be these single low notes? Yeah, yeah. a drone can be anything. Anything can drone. Any any note. Yeah. it doesn't it doesn't have to be low. It doesn't I mean, have to be high. It doesn't have the, to be mid. The be lead guitar work on this often really taps into the drone. It just wails on and around a single tone. Um, mm-hmm. uh, especially towards the end of the Queen of Awad addresses her fighters. Yeah, um, it's. It's not that sing. It's not just one thing droning. It's what's happening alongside the drone. It's it's not a thing. That's, it's a method, man. Yeah, it's yeah. a method exactly. You're you have a drone as part of your plane, but it's not the whole of the plane. It's yeah. part of it. Yeah, and and you know, uh, yeah. So it, it, let's let's listen to another one, and we'll focus mm-hmm. less on the riffy part and more on the. Uh, more on some of the battering mid-tempo stuff and then the way it it ramps up it, it we we start in you could think of this record as structured more like 
you know, yeah, they're just these different parts juxtaposed. So you could think of the structure here as vortex, mid-tempo, vortex. And we start in the blasting vortex, drop to mid-tempo, back to the blasting vortex. Um, there's a main riff on this song that is really good and is a little more kind of post-hardcore screamo. But, like, that riff is awesome, but the song is so long, I'm not sure it's even on this sample. What you get... A lot of the meat of this, these songs, a lot of the things to stay for, are the embellishments that happen over the course of the song. Are these, whether they're improvised or whether they're just these really cool organic developments of the ideas. Um, so here we're just getting the open, the most open. That was, uh, Hyper Shaman Sample was a good example of, okay, here's some riffing, here's how he's wailing over the riffing, here's a heavy down to, just heavy slow part. Now we're going to get just some of the uh, really out parts.
right. In case I forgot to announce it, I can't remember. That was Lucknow Siege, parentheses. I will not bite this greased cartridge. So. That was, um... You know, you could hear the, uh... Like, that... The last... The idea that was introduced in the last two minutes is so powerful. It's not like a big riff. It's just... Right? Uh, that is my favorite part on the record. So. I mean, it's... That's, that's like, super, super, like, primitive drone, like, ancient... Yes. Ancient proto-music, you know, just... Wow, wow, you know... Yeah, you could, it, you could you could throat sing that. And in fact, there was some throat singing. You know, you mentioned it earlier, but did you, at the beginning of the sample, he was actually doing, I mean, not, you know, not like he's not like a Tuvan shepherd, but he was doing the sort of the Attil, deep low Attila tones. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there, exactly. There are other parts which might be samples or might just be the dude getting wild. Maybe he's been trained in a style or whatever is uh is doing parts that sound like in the, the sort of uh, um, ululating Indian vocals, sort of mm-hmm. high and winding and highly inflected, uh, passionate, you know, vocals that just sound like a banner flapping or something. Um, mm-hmm. It's, uh, but yeah, there's all these kinds of, not as maybe singular or, stationary as a sound object but all these unique sound events show up in the course of that whole sequence and what's sustaining in part is just like that just the 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 pocket drumming is just crushing and it's it's playing the drums are playing against and off the guitar in the way that like a a really heavy rock band would right it's, that no that that that's well, God, it sounds like when the levee breaks. Yes! By, uh, yeah, <laughs> that's what it sounds like. Which is one of the only good songs where, like, you know, Zeppelin is, you know, they're they're half into blue, they're half in the blues rock thing, they're half, they're, or they're a third in the blues rock thing, they're a third in kind of like folk music, and they're a third in proto-metal. And that yeah. that one, they all come together. That song is mm-hmm. still as crushing as it was when it was written. Well, no, yeah, I mean that's that's like that that drum part. That's mm-hmm. the biggest thing of the song for it, you know. Yeah, and and the guitar, the texturing, it has the same drone and sprawl. Yes. Um, that's a really good point. Um, so yeah, this record is uh really really cool. We talked about it for a long time because even though it's short, I think it is important. And uh, no, I mean he did he did a lot with twenty minutes. I was surprised. Like you said, like, oh, well, we should do this for the little intro thing. I'm like, okay, we got an EP. I this, I mean, it felt like a record. Yeah, I, I, I knew, <laughs> I, I knew we were gonna. I, I knew I wanted to talk about it a lot, but like, yeah, it feels like a, it's, it's like a record in itself, and um, I really hope there's a full length on the way from from Dresden Streams. Mm-hmm. Well, that was long and winding, but it was awesome. No, that was good. That was good. Yeah, I think we did a good job with that one. Um, definitely, I'm I'm a little uh, 
I'm a little rusty on my my discipline, but I think we did. Yeah, I think that that was a terminus segment. <laughs> yeah. It's a, yeah, yeah, and you had some, yeah, your your contra- when the levee breaks, man. I was thinking about that song. No, yeah, you brought up that drum, and I'm like, where do I know this drum part from? Yeah. Like, oh shit, that's that. It, it was when the levee breaks meets Ukrainian insurgent army. It was like. <laughs> Damn. This is a little one gash, and you're listening to Terminus. So next up, we have, um, I guess, if I were to be reductive, I'd say a tribute project, but it's not, not quite the same. Um, different in its own ways. Some good, some bad, but it's alcoholic fury and madness, parentheses, total death. My <laughs> dog man. Oh wait, Total Death might be the record label. Uh no, I it is um I thought it was part of the Is it part of the title? I think it's part of the title. Yeah, it's part of the title. Wow. Well, what yeah. what the what uh, what the fuck label is it on? I'll I'll look that up. You keep going. Uh, Do the says, intro. I think it's independent. But yeah, so <laughs> This is, um, as, as the name of the band implies, Dogman, uh, very much inspired by and uh, kind of enthralled with the Brazilian band Sovereign, um, which I guess is a pretty well-known name, but if you're not, uh, like, you know, super autistic about diving into all sorts of black metal maybe you may not have heard of it uh but it's uh just like sovereign this band dogman is a one-man band that plays a sort of uh i don't want to say thrashy but kind of kind of thrashy punkish uh wobbly uh, and and like you said, kind of bathery feeling black metal. Um, though this album, more so than Sovereign, which inspires it, is uh, a lot more melodic. Um, I uh, saw this. This was posted by a patron in the Discord. Mm. Uh, you know who you are. Um uh, and I, I went immediately listened to it because of the album title, because I don't know, Alcoholic Fury and Madness, parentheses, Total Death, that's pretty wild. <laughs> uh, and I, I, I really like this, um, with the caveat that, like the death metal guy, I'm much more of a sucker for the melodic big riff. Mm-hmm. Um, but you you had some 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 good, like, equally pro-con kind of critique for this so what how did you like this yeah that, that's about how i feel um i yeah i think i'm i'm i think i am sort of 50 50 on it i definitely you know i think i'd be interested to hear where it goes uh mm-hmm. so the thing that i don't so much like about it is that it is really in line with the current glut of you know triumphant black metal with these, you know, sweet-sounding chords from France and Finland, uh, and the, the big riff. On the other hand, there are lots of ways... That, the ways that these songs are written, in some ways, um, 
aren't as centered on that as you might think, even though it will give you certain kinds of hooks and tonalities that are very now. Uh, the way it's written is there's a lot of... Uh, there's a lot of spontaneity in the plane. There's a lot of just sort of wild... Uh, it's not exactly like... It's not like full sort of... It's not exactly improv in the sense we were talking about in in the Dresden Streams review, at least. But it's it's might be semi-improvised. There's a lot of just sort of like energetic guitar stuff happening over the riffs. And, yeah, the ba the things that... Maybe this is specific to Sovereign, who I haven't listened to much. I, I think I listened to it once back when we were yeah, doing the I show mean, I, it came up. After, after hearing this, mm -hmm. I went back and I listened through the, the all of Sovereign's full lengths. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty wild. It's different. Sovereign's so, pretty different. <laughs> so we should... Yeah, no, I remember it being really just sort of sort of um ragged and harsh and you know deliberately miserable sounding so yeah, we should it's, it's pretty it's pretty drunken yeah so we'll listen to some sovereign in a second and th i think yeah. that'll probably give us a better frame of reference for understanding this certainly me um but um the things that to me scan as bathory ish right also give it this greater uh you know this greater physical presence that's messing on a lot mm -hmm. of nowadays stuff, right? It's thrashy, it's wild, there's this sort of uh, brash, charismatic presence in the music. Um, uh, and I'd say, yeah, that, 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 that's good for now. Let's listen to some Sovereign. Yeah. So this is just uh, a chunk out of the song Rum and Beer off of the album Dogman for, you know, whom this project is named.
so yeah, um, I mean that, uh, that that's pretty much a good uh, taste of generally what Sovereign sounds like. I mean that's that's the last Sovereign album, so I mean some of the early stuff is different, but very much the the constant you know one two one two mm-hmm. with generally some chords playing and then guitars doing other stuff over the chords and while while having that really rigid one two i'm assuming drum machine it uh you know there there's a certain uh, drunken sloppiness to it despite having this uh interesting melodicism yeah i i that was really interesting um i like i kind of um that's cool, right? So he's this, yeah, this Sovereign's impo- a weird band. This it's, impossibly it's... fast, um, you know, skank beat, and then he sort of decides. W- There's a very uh, idiosyncratic sense of rhythm, you could say. Yes. Like the first riff that comes off on off that track appears to be in triplets, but it's played against a straight four four beat. Um, it's like he's taking a riff that makes sense as a triplet riff and dragging it out to fit it. It's, I mean, it, he makes it work. It's like highly original. Um, and I, and I, and despite some of the, the, the melodicisms in this dog, dog man, the, the new album, not, not dog man, mm -hmm. the sovereign album, uh, despite them being maybe, I, I, as you said, a little more in line with the Franco finish stuff, I think I didn't it didn't even read as much to me as that when I first listened to it, probably on one hand, because I'm, I'm pretty inundated Mm -hmm. to it. It just, I like, it doesn't stand out as Mm -hmm. like something to stand out Mm -hmm. anymore to me. So, um, but I, but I, what stood out to me the most is how, uh, I mean, the best way I could say, like I said, drunk it or wobbly. It's a very wobbly album with the guitar. Yeah. So this guy, yeah. Sovereign has, the way Sovereign is, you can also hear the speed metalisms for sure in how Sovereign's yes, playing. Yes. So some of the stuff that I heard is Bathory is, uh, well, you know, a lot. Of, I I think in this in Sovereign, it's did you have you listened to any of Dogman's earlier stuff? Did he do anything that was like actually straight Sovereign worship, oh. and then just sort of develop away from it? No, I. Cause he he just had like a demo and EP. I haven't checked those yeah. out, but I mean, well, uh, one I mean maybe the one from twenty seventeen. Yeah, well might the have weird been more so. The weird thing about this is that it is much less idiosyncratic than the idiosyncratic project it's paying tribute to. Yes, uh, it's a bit more organized. There are it's, it's more. It's, it's more the the ear the melodic sensibility is more conventional like honestly there are more sophisticated kind of classical sounding chords on the sovereign um yeah. it, it, it's kind of mutilationy in the tonality um, yeah. yeah yeah and maybe maybe that's what i and that's something i've always thought about mutilation is it's got a very drunken quality to mm-hmm. it it's very it's the sloppiness is almost almost feels intentional in yeah, the rhythm even yeah. though i know it's not i mean they they wanted to play transylvania properly they just couldn't yeah which is amazing and this guy maybe <laughs> could play these riffs properly but um can't because he's too drunk which is also awesome yeah. so you hear that feeling oh, and of... i mean i i he has to be a man who consumes a lot of alcohol because it's kind of part of of sovereign's image 
Yeah, so you hear a lot of struggle in the riffs, but in a cool way, right? Uh, yeah. And so and so there's that. There's the way the layers kind of grind against each other. There's the way that the speed metal riffs, because of this just super condensed rhythm, the speed metal riffs kind of just like... They don't really have that pedal rolling pedal point groove to them. They're kind of more just like pointillistic, almost just like, you know... I, I don't know. You know, so there are certain guitar mannerisms that the guy, that Dogman, picks up on in his tribute in, in or in this project. But, like, say, the wobbling between two notes is a guitar technique. But it's all happening in a much more conventional sense of musical time and organization. Yes. And the, the kinds of riffing are a lot more familiar. Yeah, um, his, his time is definitely more... It, well, his time is actually considered... Um, there's a lot of points in Sovereign songs where I, I don't think he really gives a shit. Yeah, I think that's kind of the game. It's like, I'm just going to turn the drum machine on and play some shit over it. Like, yeah, I, I have... yeah, okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah, drums on. Oh, oh God, I got to play. Oh. Yeah, yeah. I think, um, I think, yeah. Which I'm, is cool. I, yeah, I think he may have had a spontaneous recording process. Um, hey, man, you know, but, it worked. Yeah, absolutely. So <laughs> let's listen to the beginning of this record. Yeah, and this is, and I kind of chose um, that rum and beer song because I feel like it's uh, much closer to the way this album just kind of, this, this album both just kind of starts and ends kind of abruptly. Mm -hmm. So I'm just going to play like the first minute off the album because I think it it gives a uh, pre pretty good idea. So here, uh, this is going to be the first song off the album, Alcoholic Fury and Madness. <laughs> structure is pretty much the same as sovereign where you have you know this i think in this case probably more a real drum or maybe he's just using a really nice uh um vst but it's uh you know the drum tupa 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 mm -hmm. and you have what kind of one guitar part doing general just chordings and then a guitar doing some sort of uh, something over the top and uh, i think one of the big differences is what I notice in Sovereign is kind of like we, we were saying with um, maybe some of the more solar riffing. Not that Sovereign's solar, I don't think it is, but mm -hmm. it's uh, 
it's it's a bit closer it's a bit you know in in distance between notes and the melodies aren't as far this guy he likes to go jump more oh i i hear that yeah he's the wobbles are jumping up and down the staff a lot more where i think sovereign keeps a little closer and that jumping around the staff more is more common with the more uh like florid nice melodies of uh franco finnish stuff yeah yeah and you know the people will recognize the chording immediately from the middle of that sample once the sort of the the big riff locks in but um it's uh yeah, the, the harmonies, the the interesting thing about the Sovereign is that the, the parts kind of, even when he's playing these sort of more broad chords with, with more melodic inflection, they sort of grind against each other because of those really close intervals. Yeah, because and, it's so much close. These definitely, like the, in, in, in Dogman, there's much more room for it to breathe, so you can mm -hmm. definitely feel it as two distinct parts doing yeah. their own thing melodically. Yeah, th th there are moments in in Sovereign that feel like almost key signature conflict, or like, you know, <laughs> things, th not yeah. in a bad way, like, it's it's sort of deliberate. It's a, it's a good tense. Yeah, it's, it's layers that are clashing, and his wobbles are really sort of tight and around, like, the root note. Here, the wobbles are turned more into arpeggio figures. Yeah, um, it's 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 less of a wobble and more of a slide. Yeah. Yeah, 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 I feel that. So, um, you got anything else for this sample? Uh, no, not really. I just, I, to be those two, uh, um, the, the Sovereign sample and then this sample I thought were just kind of a good comparison of like, yeah, it's still, it's working off of that Sovereign structure, but he's obviously doing some things different. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, that makes sense. It's, um, so I want to go to, I, I did not really like that first track when I first listened to it. Um, I did like uh, Catwoman Demon, which is number two, <laughs> and is a ripper. And I thought, since you, you did a very short initial sample, I thought we'd just listen to all of it, because yeah, why not? although it's a very straightforward song structure, and, you know, it's just kind of a thrash song, it uh, it starts and ends in sort of kind of in cool and different places. Uh, yeah, let's... let's yeah, let and, this, and um, this was definitely... I think this was um, in my my second sample i referenced there was a few songs that kind of have a a certain part like a feel to them that i want to talk about and this was one of those songs i almost took this one but then i thought oh i don't i i'm gonna do track one track two <laughs> uh it's it's allowed i occasionally occasionally i find myself almost just picking the two one track I like and the track after it, which I also decide I like from the middle of the album. <laughs> but yeah, but no, it's I'm I'm glad you picked this. All right, because it it links into it all real well. All right, so let's let let's let the Catwoman speak. <laughs>
Yeah, so you could hear that in that last riff, the turnaround is virtually identical to one of the big riffs at the beginning of Corellian Satanist Madness, right? Yes. Uh, <laughs> I, I can't remember which one, but I didn't bother looking it up because I'm sure everyone listening knows what I'm talking about, you know? Yeah. Um, and, however, um, it sounds great um, for, for a number of reasons. It's... Uh, First of all, it's the turnaround to a speed metal riff. He's it, it's not a smoothly trimmed black metal riff that's just a lesser knockoff of this. He's built those kinds of uh fin chords into the end of the phrase. Um he's got um a lot more sort of he's got, you know, a lot of rhythmic push and pull in the phrasing uh and he's got the cool shit happening over it. You get that, right? Uh, death metal guy would immediately point out that that sounds like emo, and he would be correct. Right? Yeah, uh, no, it's a very, very, very emo '90s alternative. Uh, yeah, a little, uh, a little Totenvaki, which you know, we can't knock. That's, that, that's his thing. Yeah, it's um. It's very, uh, like, like so th those chiming phrases, they, they sound really good in that context. It adds an interesting layer that sort of, they're, the, the sort of cresting and falling feel there is almost moving in opposite to the triumphant riff. Yeah. Uh, and it, uh, it, the thing that it sounds kind of like there in that moment is um, not not dressed in streams, but uh, the, the other, you know, the colloquial sound recordings flagship band, A Pregnant Light. It's it, in that pregnant light songs are structured around Bathory, the Bathory beat, um, and sort of thrashy riff structures, and uh, and they have this sort of emo and screamo based sense of melody and texture building out of them, but using yeah, black metal guitar yeah. technique. Um, and I think at its best, this record actually works more like a pregnant light than Sovereign. <laughs> um, it, it, in not you know the inflections are different it's more ragged and f filthy it's you know and all of that but i feel like um you know forceful rhythmically inflected thrash playing spontaneity in the layers uh and um you know the ability to just indulge in the chug right the middle of that song is just this very simple mid-tempo chug part uh all these things that are not really that current in nowadays stuff um and combined with this mood of at its best is emotional peaks and i would say this song is one of them especially that part but there are a couple really cool highlight moments in the song um it uh when that bathory speed metal riff kicks in about a minute in and there's a sort of drop really cool um, there's this mood of wild moonstruck abandon here, right? They, they, it's about being really drunk and miserable, but about it being kind of, uh, kind of glorious, right? It's, yeah, it's like a romance, it's romantic. Yes. Um, romanticism of drunkenness. It's not, yeah, yeah. I don't know, it's like the, the reveling in the bass. Yeah, this album is dedicated to all the maniacs who drown themselves in alcohol and self-destruction. Um, yeah. And, you know, so there's something I can... Com 
I can sort of commend about this band, um, and that I think is also true about Sovereign, right, is that it brings together two sides of black metal that have really been separated out from one another. You know, you've got first wave worship bands and some war metal bands and, I don't know, certain, certain other kinds of bands that will sort of really focus on the parts of black metal that outsiders mistakenly see as just sort of traditional rock and roll sex drugs shit right yeah um the kind of and it easily gets turned into that by people who completely miss the point right you know mm. like you know have anal sex and party right um and you know that that sort of was a part of the early bands right but it had a it, it was connected to this sort of uh heroic and uh visionary side of the music and, you know, it speaks volumes that Sovereign's record has a man in the form, a, do- a man-headed dog yeah. fucking a dog-headed woman. <laughs> and, and, like, death is playing yeah. violin and, and, and it, some it, demon watching it, it them. it doesn't look cool. It looks ugly, right? No, it's extremely it's, ugly. Yeah. It's, 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 it's like, off-putting. Yes, it's deliberately <laughs> off-putting and deranged. But the music has this kind of... um arcing mutilation-esque grandeur and this kind of uh you know this sort of intent there's there's vigor in the plane it's not collapsing uh and the uh and the dude's presence right the band is called even though there's all this shit and misery in the music it's called sovereign right Mm -hmm. uh and it's uh you know he has the he's committed in all of this to maintaining the aristocratic ethos and his alias was rudolph the proud which is yeah, just yeah well no and, and it, yeah so that and that's one of the cool things you, you know you see pictures of this guy it's like he's got a handle like his picture on metal mm-hmm. archives he's got mm-hmm. a handlebar mustache hairy chest shirt, yeah shirtless but he's like in this strange like militaristic pose yeah like one arm behind the back one in front holding a pitchfork yeah this is this is what vampires in black metal used to mean right being you know being the count and then you know and then and then kind of you know parallel Mm -hmm. uh the the um the guy behind Dogman, Gustav, his mm-hmm. picture, it's just him standing upright, arms crossed, blank mm-hmm. face. Like, he yeah. will take, he's not taking any bullshit. Yeah, and there's another picture of him where he, uh, he just is clearly styled, he has the same handlebar mustache, and he lists himself as, uh, Gustav the Proud, right? Yeah. Um, it's, uh, and you can hear, so even though the mood of this music is quite different from Dogman, the mm-hmm. sense that it, I can see why it seems plausible to bring out the more noble side of the music, right? And to bring out the yeah, sense of heroism in it. Exactly, because it's de- it was definitely on Rudolph's mind. Yeah, ab- definitely ab- has saw he saw a certain nobility and degeneracy. There can be an ascesis to decadence, right? Or to, yes. to or to sort of. Um, uh, yeah, to being dissolute, right? There's almost a mm-hmm. past. You, in a sense, sure, okay, you can become just dependent on substances, but in a certain way, you are imposing this really brutal discipline on your body to produce deranged states. Um, yes. And you know, uh, um, 
you know, not that I would know anything about that. Um, but the uh, it's it, it's a sort of um, yeah. I, I think I think that you know the, these both these bands are clearly very sensitive to that, right? And you're sort of in, inducing almost like hallucinatory aban- hallucinatory abandon. Um, abandon that that's a good yeah, word. Abandon. Yeah. It's and, very yeah. That, yeah, that maybe that's the looseness. I, you're you're I you're reaching through gritty bar and you know sort of gritty bar culture towards this ideal of you know the werewolf man running around under the moon. Um, <laughs> and so yeah, let's get to your next sample. Yeah, so um, a lot of the stuff in this album that reads as Bathory, also very rhythmically rhythmically Bathory but kind of in conjunction with the other guitar stuff that's going on, to me, feels very, uh, like, Central European, kind of maybe bringing back to stuff Mm -hmm. like Root or Master's Hammer, which is Mm -hmm. very much some of that, like, first wave, second wave, kind of on the border, black metal, but kind of known to be a a little wonky, a little weird, people people kind of talk about it being like, oh, it's like first wave, but it's kind of quirky and heavy metal-ish. Mm-hmm. Um, and a, a band that I'm really into, uh, Malo Karpetan mm-hmm. from Slovakia. And I think a lot of, you know, that song, Catwoman Demon, those parts where it's like, you know, very much feels like those bands to me. And there's a few songs in the album where, you know, they have parts like that that Bathorian, but kind of with that uh, kind of ang- anxiety to it. Uh, and the, here's another one, Bestial, Bestial 666, No Space. <laughs> Good title. Um, it's, it's, all, it's all one word. definitely feels more I, I don't even know if i want to say like outside of bathory for like first wavy stuff that kind of root 
Master's Hammer thing and this Mabel Carpetan band, which um, it's like one specific song off their second album that I keep stuff on this album keeps reminding me of. I, I don't even remember the name. It's all in Slovakian. It has something to do with a water goblin mm-hmm. um, <laughs> or something. Yeah, it's like the it's like in which the water goblin like something something to the town. I don't know, but it's got that. It's got that very anxious speed metal guitar flourishing and 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 uh uh you know 16th note the trem runs where you know i, I guess i see but, what you mean by anxious sounding the yeah there's a there's a lot of on the on this album that's like a, a an unstable anxiety mm-hmm. it's um so the uh, yeah, and you, uh, another riff you particularly identified with those bands was a yeah. It's just the the I don't I don't know you know I've I've never been good at identifying musical modes, but the mm-hmm. whatever they're doing in the minor key there, the da, 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 mm-hmm. I don't know that uh. But oh. in like a speed metal context, very cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, do, 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 do. Yeah, there, there. I think it's like the the phrase happens around the fifth, and then it, I think, and then it descends. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, I it. I, I I don't think I could parse it right either. But he gives it a nice sort of. Um, it has a more downcast feeling than you might expect from something that. Uh, yeah. Um, that that is hitting even that's hitting those notes though the way he's you know it 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 sounds even different from just like right it's it mm-hmm. it, it has it has a different inflection um and uh yeah so that might be one thing another thing that sets it apart from sovereign right or, yeah and I mean mm-hmm. I don't know if it's just by by virtue of being in the eastern european sphere sphere these mm-hmm. uh this guy is from bosnia mm-hmm. so i don't know if yeah. that's just he he picks it up from other eastern european bands or you know i don't know yeah well and it should be i want to make it clear that when we say that's different from sovereign we don't necessarily mean it it makes it worse or that it makes it a less successful tribute it seems like what's going on in dogman is that he maybe started from this idea of a sovereign tribute and he knew i want to make music in this guy's spirit and it's sort of branched out and now he's trying to figure out what else to do with it right yeah which is is Mm -hmm. commendable yeah i I no absolutely i think the best thing you can do and like this is exactly how I this is kind of exactly how I felt with that Grenadier album is you know it's cool yes there's there's bands out there that are really cool they did cool things you know you want to do a project make music that sounds like that band awesome but it's even cooler if you evolve with it yeah yeah yeah, yeah. it's um that is how you in in a way that's taking the thing more seriously uh the thing that you want to pay tribute to um, and the, uh, you know, you're showing that there's life in that, in those ideas. 
Uh, oh yeah, that it's not over. There's still yeah. more that can be, you know, seen. Can, can can be done with it, and that it can be, you know, brought into contact with other things. Yeah. So, um, you know, I I would say in terms of, yeah. Well, let's listen to Fantasies of Darkness. This is one of the more black metal-y moments on the record, and this is kind of you'll hear the uh, as Hypersham had pointed out the kind of the the sovereign wobble technique is being used to make these long melodic phrases and this is the longest one on the record and it's uh it's quite powerful sort of I can't that riff is difficult to hum the big riff that starts it out yeah it's he's because of the wobbling because of because he's not cording it with seamless trim he's wobbling between different notes in a way that makes it take in a way that the technique is shaping the melody there in a cool way. Like, it, it actually doubles back on itself in ways that are unusual in riffs like that when they're trimmed. Um, mm-hmm. And there are two halves of it. There's really cool phrasing. Um, and the interesting thing is that it's structured. The, the, the basic notes in it and the shape of it, it works like a forest riff. One of the really Ooh. elaborate forest riffs. It it sounds, it, this sounds like straight up Slavonic, you know, pagan black metal. Uh, yeah. And that is, uh, I mean, and here he's really blended it with his own technique and with the sovereign thing. So to me, it seems like if you want, uh, if he wants to build a more sort of. Uh, if he wants to build out the heroic side to this sort of, um, you know, dog man, spiritual warrior, ascetic thing, right? Then I, I'm kind of more interested in hearing ideas like that than the more sort of satanic war mastery stuff. Yeah, kind of mm-hmm. lean lean more heavy into the yeah. the Eastern European yeah. side. Yeah, and I, the the sense I get about this whole record is that it's he's finding his. It's sort of, ex- it's not experimental in the usual sense. It's literally he's experimenting. He's trying to figure out what works. Um, oh, yeah. And, and like, 
you know, so that part's great. And then the energy immediately dissipates once he goes into those sort of rote arpeggios that are just sort of Mm -hmm. winding around each other in a not very interesting way. Um, You know, so there... It, to me, can have the same kind of problems as that Imhotep Tarakat record did as, you know, projecting this... It wants to be this extreme, passionate, continuous ejaculation, basically. And Mm -hmm. that's really hard. That's a cool ideal to aspire to, but it's very hard to pull off on a song-by-song basis, right? Yes. And and if you're into the idea of there being something kind of spontaneous and wobbly and wild about the plane, how do you avoid it just becoming riffola, right? So something more like the kind of focused improv we heard in the Dressed in Streams thing might help, you know? Not just, like, playing sort of these layers of you know semi-arbitrary arpeggios but like like riffing making up riffs as he plays and there are parts there are parts throughout the record where he does do that to be fair yes Mm -hmm. yeah and i I, then i think it comes back to you know a lot of like you said like it sounded like a forest riff you know bbh stuff and that relation to some of the dressed in streams and this Mm -hmm. there's a lot of virtue to you know in in the other sense of the word riffing on the drone or riffing mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. on something yeah yeah so i mean yeah t- to me my, like i like that he's not just imitating sovereign to me the thing i'd like to hear more of is on the next one is yeah, more of a decision about which style to use, uh, more more focus, and also I think that would go hand in hand with sounding crazier. Hey all, this is Brandon from Cromley, and you're listening to Terminus. All right, and after the break, we return uh, of darkness and evil with. Gregorian's Magdans Evangelium out on Signal Rex from Portugal. Uh, that means basically gospel of might. So right off the bat, you're getting distilled ethos of black metal in general and especially second wave Scandinavian stuff. This is a Danish band, I believe. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Danish. Yep. Uh, and um yeah yeah lyrical themes devil worship scripture elitism well then uh oh day there it is yes exactly um and um basically the press release declare was a very sort of serious declaration of intent right um and it uh you know declaring its hostility to the abrahamic religions all of them Mm -hmm. uh which is funny because you know that could come off a little bit try hard right except then you realize a a lot of bands have completely forgotten like like to a lot of people that's not obvious at all as a part of black metal right it's crazy that you have to say it (laughs) it's generally generally people just like oh just christianity it's anti-christianity no really yeah, the original thing was just anti, like, monotheistic, like, dogma. Like, the modern. They they just hated anything that was uh, big, organized worship. 
Well, yeah, I think they hated a certain theology with a certain history. Um, yes, and, yes. Yeah, and, and a certain impact on the broader culture, which is the thing that people often miss, right? Oh, it's anti-Christian. Oh, they just don't like evangelical squares. Well, that's certainly true, but they, you know, they, uh, but they also don't like you. Right. Not not you, mm-hmm. but to the people who the, the the people who sort of misinterpret the genre like that. Um, yeah. It's a, uh, um, it, it's so this is this makes big claims for itself. It also makes big claims for itself in terms of having a high concept, right? It's it's written in the manner almost of like a an oratorio or a Greek tragedy or something in like this yeah, kind it's of like is it's like angels and stuff like like debating like what to do with the world or something yeah like like different kinds of angels and humans debating who will take over the cosmos or something Mm -hmm. and then uh and so there are sort of dialogue there's maybe characters speaking and then choruses uh so this immediately yeah immediately places itself in the tradition of extremely you know highbrow patrician european black metal um yeah and uh you know even even in its concept of like the the you know the tr- the structure of it i think it talks about the end there's a sort of deus ex machina at the end or something and a a profane prophetess or something uh you know decrees a new cosmic order even that sounds like wagner or something like this you know like there's at one i think in in sigurd one of the ring cycle things is you know this uh it's wagner riffing on the cirrus's prophecy from the voluspa but um mm-hmm. there's there's a, there's a dense web of cultural references behind this there's an installing black metal not just in the history of you know all the familiar genealogy we know right but in the things that were really obvious to the original second wave bands that have, that have been forgotten especially like emperor right the the stuff from Mil- the concept of satanism there right is not 68 or rock and roll revolt it's rock and roll rebellion the concept of satanism is uh Milton Satan, right? Who, uh, yeah. who, who wants to reign, right? And who has, you know, and who sort of conducts himself like a character out of the, uh, out of the Iliad, basically. Um, and, you know, uh, th- th- this, or, you know, also, you know, there's shades of Mephistopheles's Faust, or if Faust's Mephistopheles, you know, ugh. Uh, Mephistopheles in Faust, right, in Goethe's Faust, right, also a big thing coloring early black metal uh, Satanism, also Nietzsche. Um, and this is... Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's like all the the Byronic hero kind of representation of the devil. Very uh, uh, arrogant and violent emotionally. Yeah, I, I think that, yeah, there's something to that. Yeah, the sort of the devil, devil as dashing protagonist and things like mm-hmm. that. Um, but, you know, uh, but also this sort of um, a way of a way of thinking that falls outside the frameworks of the of the Abrahamic religions. Right. This ethos yes. of, you know, strength and honor, as one says. Uh, and it's um, and which scans to them as evil. Right. And yes. this is 
And that was a thing that the earliest bands were always expressing, even when they were the most focused on shit and misery. Uh, even when it was being expressed sort of um, in terms oh, of no, mostly well, yeah. hostility. I, you know. Well, it's like it's like Dogman, like a degenerate alcoholism, but he's still proud proud and noble about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And even, you know, even when it was, you know, Dark Throne bashing out this punky shit, right? It was still this, yeah. they were still sort of... Um, uh, scornfully demolishing death metal or whatever, mm-hmm. right? Um, it's uh, So this band is trying to reactivate all of that stuff that, you know, is core to any of the bands that really get it, um, but has been sort of forgotten. And they're doing that, and then on a musical level, they're doing something more specific, which is, this is... Um, really sort of musically dense, technically demanding stuff that has major similarities to classical music, but is also really stripped down, extraordinarily stripped down and brutal. Um, You know, songs of really short songs, three or four riffs. Uh, Mm -hmm. The kind of production that you got on those early records, which is raw in the sense that it's quiet, and when you turn it up, it's just crushing. Uh... It's um, uh, ragged performance. So the ornate, quote-unquote, high aspects of the genres are not being separated off from the, the sort of um, abrasive noise, even, you know, punkish aspects of it. They're, they're going together on this record. And, uh, no, yeah, it's, mm-hmm. it's the marriage of the highbrow, lowbrow, high mm-hmm. art, low art. Mm-hmm. It's, mm-hmm. You know, they're doing these very complicated, intricate classical sounding stuff but they're you know they're sweating yeah um and they're they're sweating exactly they leave mistakes in these are like difficult winding passages and there is there you can hear them the full band playing runs throughout uh and so it this is basically influenced by the sort of The stuff that these days I just like better than the Norse stuff, which is the mid to late 90s Swedish scene. Um, When that makes it on the show, it's it's pleasantly become more of a thing now when it, when it, you know, in its bad form, it's, it's just plain Melodeth and blaming it on Sacramentum. Um, But in, in its, in its best form, right, it is, you know, returning to, we get some shades of Sacramentum, of Dawn, of Dissection, um, shit like Vinterland is almost becoming canon now. Um, But we don't necessarily get the much harsher and more vicious side of that sound. And Gregorian has a lot in common with, uh, um, well, with the sort of grinding symphonic black metal of Kvist, who are actually, Kvist is actually Norwegian, but they really fit with these Swedish bands. Yeah, Um, they don't, they don't feel so Norwegian. Yeah, yeah, they really fit with these Swedish bands. Uh, And also with, um, you know, Niden Division 187, who we talk about occasionally, um, and Mm. Sorin, who we, I am contractually obligated to mention all the time because more people should listen to them. Um, And... Duly noted. Yes, and you, so you also had a different cluster of reference points for this, but there's some overlap, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, and I mean, I don't, I, I feel silly in hindsight not thinking Soren and Nidden, but I I immediately, and maybe it was just the first couple of songs, I heard a lot of like Funeral Mist and Marduk, so uh, mm-hmm. 
No. Uh, who's what? What's the what's the funeral mist guy who was in Marduk? Arlog. Yeah, Arlog. yeah, Ariok slash Mortuous, right? Who's all? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It so sounds a I, lot like I heard the... a... go. Oh, I was saying, yeah, I hear a lot of that, and then kind of as the promo says, the Thy Primordial. Mm-hmm. They they claim was a reference point for them, and I can hear that in it. It, it doesn't re- directly sound like Bri- Thy no. Primordial because Thy Primordial is an early example, like. If you guys are into that sort of like lush, epic, majestic courting, thy primor that gives that kind of mellow death gut punch that we all love, right? Thy <laughs> primordial had it, but thy primordial yeah. shared a drummer with um, Dawn and Nidden. Yeah, and they, they, so that oh, was then, the crazy uh, thing. Another of, band. Yeah. Uh, oh, go. Ahead. Go. Oh, uh, I triumphator. Oh, it was another band that came to mind. Yeah, Triumphator's like Marduk, but more... Dr- it was a Marduk side project. It was more droney and textured, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, this entire matrix of... The Marduk and sort of con- thing totally makes sense, and the Funeral Mist thing. And what it kind of gives us is a non-flattened version of Marduk and Funeral Mist, right? These guys yeah. don't hear those bands... Do- they don't hear Marduk as just the band with, you know this particular kind of octave riffing that's easy to knock off and they don't they hear the cool interesting parts on the back end of panzer division marduk with this sort of strained um high tension epic harmonies that you get in other swedish stuff or they hear and you know like or the aspects of funeral mist we got on the last record which had these just just glorious powerful very specifically the last one that, that yeah. was that the newest one yeah. is what I kept coming yeah. back to with this record. Yeah, storming folk melodies on on the yeah. last funeral mist, and you know those are on Soren as well, which we'll talk about. And oh, for sure. so the similarity to Thy Primordial is just first, it's part of this scene of bands. The crazy thing is that Thy Primordial, Dawn, and Nidin each had different main guitarists and songwriters. Mm-hmm. This one scene had all of these guys with these insane sort of classical type chops and also just clearly like a thirst for blood. Um, And (laughs) Thy thy Primordial, you can hear the way, I think maybe, Thy Primordial can have this very sort of chord block organized riffing. The riffs are just these big sort of often regularly spaced blocks of big chords. And Gregorian works deliberately like that. And... Although Thy Primordial has these massive chords and soaring melodies, the songs are very disciplined and spare, and basically just wall-to-wall blast attack. Um, yeah, and- it's 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 very Spartan. For like you, it it was one of those things. One of the first time I ever listened to Thy Primordial, I thought I was expecting more, uh, more like Sacramentum or Dawn, mm-hmm. like these, you know, mm-hmm. the, the big melody. Um, it was it was much more Spartan. Maybe we're thinking, maybe there's Die, Die Primordial records I don't... I, I'm thinking about, like, at the World of Untrodden Wonder. Is the, the earlier stuff harsher? Yeah, I think the earlier stuff was a bit harsher. Like okay. Where only the seasons mark the path. Fair time. enough. But, you know, when you're on the in the first review, in the Dresden Streams review, right, we were talking about that characteristic thing of early black metal being its sort of violent rigidity. Or just yes. classic black metal. Um, this though the Swedish bands are the epitome of it, um, and Gregorian certainly has it. Although the interesting thing is that because of the raw recording, there's a lot of 
there's a lot of play in the plane as well. Um, yeah. So let's, um, this shit's vicious. I fucking love it. This is basically a record I wish somebody had. This is the, when I complain about things that being, when I complain about nowadays black metal and talk about how things should have the sense of grandiose melody and the just vicious attack at the same time, <laughs> I, I, I'm talking about this. So thanks, dudes. But go to your sample. Yeah, so I start out with uh, Austin's Fide Slange. Yeah, that yeah, sounds pretty good. Fide Slange. Um, and this is just kind of your what you kind of expect from this kind of music as I said in the notes the big storming symphony wander standing over the fog over a sea of fog rift <laughs> yeah 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 um So you can see there's like what, like three riffs there mm -hmm. for like about the over two minutes. Mm -hmm. And it's great. Um and you know you have the part of da 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 that that first riff, the so they, you wrote in the notes that this maybe has a few. They could have gone a fewer, couple fewer repetitions for your for your taste. For my taste, because there was a couple points where I'm just like, uh, okay, I, like I get it. Yeah, but, um, but I mean, I I appreciate 
the the commitment. Yeah, I, I'm a retard, and I like hearing the same thing over and over again. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, yeah, I, so I, it's me too to a degree. Yeah. Well, that's one of those sort of the rigid, deliberate rigidity things, I think, mm-hmm. is like black metal is based on hypnotic repetition. We are going to repeat this riff. They do, and they get a <laughs> lot of mileage out of... Um, and, you know, it's something... That's something that was fundamental, actually, in the Swedish bands. How It was a problem, a compositional problem. How do you take riffs, melodies that work almost exactly like things you'd hear from a symphony and put them in song structures inherited from thrash, right? I mean, once they... And, and you know, meant to have this sort of repetitive looping thing. You know, you, you can hear Dawn riffs that if it were a different kind of composition, a more open kind of composition, would just immediately spill into another one after two reps, but they hold it for five, or, or not five, for like eight or six, right? Oh, yeah, um, I mean, even a, right away on uh, Slaughter Sun, there's a part of the song where they're, uh, they're like, building up into that really cool single guitar line, and um, they're like... Mm-hmm. Like they just repeat it like, like a dozen times before going into like a really cool storming part, mm-hmm. and they go back and do it again for like yeah. another six times. Yeah, and, and um, <laughs> yeah, and and when I first heard it, I remember honestly it sounded weird to my ear, right? Because I have yeah. just enough, you know, I don't know jack about classical music compared to people who do, but I have just enough musical training and listening to to like know how it's supposed to sound right mm-hmm. but over time i was like this is sick i, I like this riff and they have <laughs> uh successfully the whole point is that y- they've tried to write the riffs in a way that allow them to loop and this band really gets that i think and another way they get mileage out of so few riffs per song a lot of these are three riff songs um yeah and a lot of the structures are really simple. Like, they just repeat the three-riff run. Like, and with maybe one additional thing thrown in, or like, you know, here at the end of the song, you can see it just went out into a breakdown. Uh, they get so much mileage out of it because the riffs are so long, and because they're written as full sequences. Each riff immediately talks to the last one. It's, and in that way, it really is working like classical music. Right. They, they, they're sort of, um, the that is answering the long, elaborate Yeah. Um, it, it's, um, yeah, I would say I mean, that. Honestly, I think, yeah. I think those two parts could work as a, as the, his counterpoint. They could be layered over each other. And I think it would work as counterpoint even. Ooh, that's they really just cool. It. That's yeah. There are so many yeah, places. Yeah, I think it could work. The cool thing about this record is that it's so tight. It has the kind of you know, made, whole thing made out of one material, uh, sort of uniform guitar texture. Uh, yeah, it's like a stone carving. Yeah, stone car. It's it's exactly. It's carved. It has that clarity that you get. The brutal clarity you get in discharge. Um, or, you know, um, or a lot of the early Scandinavian records. So this is, there's so many, now they've written a record that's so tight and searing 
there are so many things they can do with this sound if they want to develop it in various ways, whether it's that kind of more complex layering or longer songs or even riffs where they hold the chords longer, you know, sort of like it's, um, but, but yeah. So one of the things that's remarkable about this is their, um, intense physicality in the riffing where a lot of the sweet, you know, um, Right, so Dawn by Slaughter Sun, they become very sort of sprawling compositions that will sometimes lock into really powerful physical moments, but then it's oh, more yeah. about expansive grandeur and atmosphere, right? Um, you know, but some of these other bands, Nidin and Sorin, are, are body music, and this is body music to a really strong degree, and part of it is the command of rhythm. And one of the main mechanisms is they move from these very straight, clipped runs, evenly spaced runs. Da, 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 they, they go to this whiplash syncopation. And that's a thing that all of these more aggressive Swedish bands had in common, including Marduk. Marduk are masters of that. Mm -hmm. uh, it's... Uh, uh, um, da, 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 da. Um, so let's talk about rhythm here. And I want to go to the first track. And I was trying to figure out this. They, they open the, the the first real song um, begins with one of those extra bar riffs that the death metal guy first noticed on Narboleth. When you know you have a few repetitions of a riff that uh, you you have a few repetitions of a riff or part of a riff, and then the riff sort of concludes with a phrase that is um, sort of asymmetrical. So it, in so we, we've heard it we heard it on that Narboleth record first, you know, say like you play a riff that goes over four bar four bars of four and then there are two measures tacked on the end or one measure tacked on the end, right? Uh, and it allows you to do something more with the phrase, something unexpected. Yeah. Um, and I mean, you'll you'll mm. see that in some classical music too. There will literally, you might literally have like a section in four four, and then they'll throw in like a you know three four or something yeah. just for like one bar. Right. Yeah. And so you're starting to tailor the rhythm for the melody, and it's a way of breaking mm -hmm. out of the inherited thrash structures that when those that most of those early swedish bands kept and that was fine that was a part of the discipline of the music um but now now that as we talked about at the beginning of the show these st structures are kind of reflexes and fossils for a lot of people mm -hmm. now th this band is breaking out of some of those inherited rhythmic strictures in a cool way and in a way that makes a lot of sense for this kind of music um so just check it check it out and i think they're doing it in an even more radical way than a lot of the bands we've been pointing to this year as doing it Fuck the plastic! 
So, um, the riff that I'm talking about there, you 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 heard that asymmetrical one, right? The, yeah, no, and for, I, it, it, like you said, that you got three and three, and then one and two. Yeah, yeah, I wrote it. I wrote it in the so notes. The, the yeah. total eleven. Yeah, that's that's it's, cool. It's like eleven four, and and it comes in. Mm-hmm. That's the one that you just heard at the end, fading out, listeners, and it's the one that we was also at the beginning. I'm not getting the intervals right, but I think my no, yeah, but I think all my humming is off tonight. Uh, but but, it, but it's the basic structure of the. One, two, mm-hmm. three. Yeah. one, two, yeah. three, one, two, three, one, two. Yeah. I mean, it could even be two, you know, two and three, one and five. I mean, I, I, man, I, it's, well, it's just nice the, to see. The two and three, one and five also works. That's what I, I was going to say. The last phrase takes up five. You might be right in even because the last phrase yeah. takes up five beats. Regardless, it's just nice to see odd time signatures in black metal because it gives you a little it gives you a little more angular more interesting sound yeah yeah um and it means that like the the like so the, the what they're doing here is more elaborate than just tacking on a turnaround that you didn't expect Right or mm-hmm. this little sort of coda at the end of the riff. Oh, it's yeah, um, it's completely part of the whole. Yes, riff. The entire riff is directed towards the back end of the riff. Mm-hmm. Um, so the first couple riffs, reps, right? Do 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 do. Those are wind up. Those are only part of the phrase, and then it lets rip oh, yeah, on the it's, back. It's working towards the phrase being uh, being wrapped up. Yeah, it contra- that's not the right word. I don't remember my music theory no, word. No, no, yeah, but it, it's <laughs> it's it's not like the thing at the end is just a. It's not like the with a lot of riff structures, you have the meat of it at the beginning, and then you get this turnaround, which is either clever or kind of rote, and you get to the next riff. Um, yeah. And this is this riff accumulates momentum and then discharges it. Right. This band well, that, is constant. This band is constantly smiting stuff with swords. Yeah, that's ma- that's what makes it more classical because that's mm-hmm. the traditional idea of the phrase mm. is you build up some sort of tension and then you you uh, you release it. Yeah, oh, yeah. What's the word you. Uh... Ah, whatever. Keep It'll thinking about it. But so basically, I here will. as with the last. Just like I was saying, all those three riffs of the last song really are just one sequence. Mm-hmm. This the, the whole sequence, uh, those all those repetitions, those first two reps, and then the third and the, the final flourish. It's all just really one melody, it, and it has it. It's built on that first phrase, um, and it's built towards the end of it. Um, 
it's it's not just this extra bar thing. It's a complete melodic idea that could only be written in this kind of asymmetrical organic Resolve, structure. Resolve, that's the word I'm looking for. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's the resolution. It's the yeah. the the you're resolving the idea you're resolving the tension yeah well like and like normal metal riffs do that too i think but this is doing it in a very concerted uh in a traditional way yeah exactly they're weighting it towards the back end instead of having the resolution be again one of these inherited reflexes like okay now we do the turnaround gotta get the next riff um mm -hmm. yeah so the, the riff just continually escalates um and uh so let, let's see so like the um and then you could hear the so what else they're again doing this sort of extremely straight evenly spaced chording going into more pulsed parts um and one thing you'll notice is that the uh drums are set to 16th notes i think um bl blasting at a 16th something like that yeah guitars seem to be tremming at the 16th but holding in those extended chords in in that the main riff we've been talking about holding them for the length of an eighth note so this is something generally yeah yeah um so like i was thinking about the way this music is paced it there's all there is just it's not just that the interesting time signature, it's the whole way they play this entire album is I think there it's a slow quarter note that organizes most of this music, right? Dum 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 For black metal that's like relatively slow, right? Yeah, I mean generally the yeah, the way they play all of their riffs feel well, at least that that's when they play like that, it feels so much more stretched out, grand grandiose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they um, and what happens there is it opens space for the guitarist to actually play eighth notes, which mm -hmm. is a thing that often sort of doesn't happen. Um, so there you have the sixteenth subdivision of the drums and the sixteenth subdivision of the way the guitar is being played. But then the guitars are being held, you know, roughly two. It might, there's some sort of, there's, it might be slightly syncopated or something, but they're being held in this very even way, chord to chord, mm -hmm. for about the length of an eighth note. They're about two, you get about two chords a beat. Um, and rigidly so. And so you've got this cross, these the meshing subdivisions grinding against one another and then you've got this other sort of just the whole other rhythmic dynamic of the 11-4 structure you've got all these rhythmic tensions and for you've got all these forces interacting and crossing with one crossing one another to make this just incredibly tense dense structure um uh it, it's uh yeah usually what happens is if you're doing those held chord runs you know, you're like, or something like that, right? It's, mm -hmm. you're holding, uh, you're usually playing the quarter note and doing four six sixteenths per chord. It sounds like a small difference, but just the idea that there's a rhythmic space in between quarters and sixteenths in this somehow is huge. Does that make sense? 
No, it's, no, it makes sense. Yeah. Usually, yeah, usually when you see this kind of plane that is held out mm-hmm. uh, quite a bit longer, it's not... Th- this this has a punchy quality to it because it's somewhere in between, yeah, just straight, you know, regular trem riffing or something more long and flowy. Mm-hmm. It's got a more immediate punchiness to it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, yeah. So, and, and they're good at writing those kind of processional, even melodies in the way that um, uh, Infernus from Gorgoroth was, especially on Under the Sign. Mm-hmm. The production actually bears comparison to Under the Sign, although it's not as loud. Yeah. Um, anyway, let's get, so th- there's a second, so we've gone over the sort of neo the classical influence or romantic symphonic influence here. Yes. Now let's talk about the other side of that, which, you know, also has its, you know, 19th century romantic roots, but like, let's talk about sort of folk ideas. Yeah, and this is kind of where it comes into the Sorin side of things mm-hmm. with, mm-hmm. uh, I kind of... Maybe not not drony drony, but kind of the the droning string folk music of mm-hmm, Scandinavia mm-hmm. Um, in De Blindes Hirda. <laughs> Some of that's almost jaunty. Yeah. I don't know. It's like you could you could imagine them, you know, playing like a little nickel harp of people dancing around in a circle. Yeah. It's like a harvest festival shit. That's awesome. You know, it, you know, there is that part that straight up has, I think, a nickel harp on it on the Red in the Sky is Ours. Uh, that, or is well, that, that just a violin? A violin or a hardanger fiddle. The mm. nickel harp is specifically Swedish. Mm. The, the hardanger fiddle is more of a Norwegian thing. So the... The nickel harp is kind of a funny droning. Oh, violin that's the drone thing. one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and you 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 play it with like little keys. Right. And then the nickel harp has also has droning in it, but it has like red uh, sympathetic strings. Oh, do you mean the hard anger fiddle? Sorry, I think you said both. Yeah, the hard yeah. anger fiddle. The nickel harp is like the funky Swedish one with the with the keys. But anyways, I digress. Yeah. Well, that's interesting. Um, so I, th- I think I hear what you mean. One drone's more like a hurdy gurdy. The other drone's more like a uh, a sitar. 
um, yeah, sympathetic yeah. strings or something. Um, Absolutely. Cool. So, yeah, very folky. I mean, the the, the whole song throughout, the, the, the back of it kind of is too. It's got like the, mm-hmm. the sort of a stomping outro that's also very folky. So that's another key component of this music right it's um uh of of if this band is trying to grasp the entire thing that was happening in the 90s at its roots and do something sort of energetic and new fresh certainly fresh sounding with it um uh it completely bypasses the problems of nowadays shit that i was complaining about at the beginning of the show um, oh yeah, you don't see this that often yeah, these days. I think virtually, yeah. The only the things coming out of this scene are like we're lucky if we get some dawn stuff or some, yeah. Like it's 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 the more Sweden is associated with this lush melodic kind of thing. Um, let's do another folky riff. Um, this is so I, I feel like your first sample that one from Austin's Slang was just you know that that's might be the peak of the record that that's just you know it has the <laughs> catastrophic melody it has the violence it's just everything right um, yeah it's the it's the john martin painting with the destruction of sodom and <laughs> yeah, yeah 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 it's uh, full-on full-on sturm and drain yes exactly uh, i suppose it would be sodom and gomorrah destroying you know jerusalem yeah, or yeah. something yes but yes yeah, inverted. Was... um but yeah, I, I know the painting you're talking about. That and yeah, that's awesome. Or or, or or he's got a really good one of the flood, uh, which is just like yeah. Oh yeah, I mean he just he liked really huge apocalyptic mm-hmm. landscapes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the um, the so the um, this is this second one is uh, it's also highly folky, um. Here, though, the folk is used to deliver one of the other, I think, peaks of action on the record. This is your sort of, um, if your last one was sort of uh, dancing wildly around the fire to the, you know, to the uh, nickel harpa, this is um, somebody, this is the brawl that starts after.
one has a two-step. <laughs> which actually happens... The in... the, what? what? Uh, is it the lads engage in a bit of uh, bit of wrestling. A bit, bit of wrestling. Op- open up the pit, as it were. Um, yeah. This is <laughs> a... Um, yeah. It, although this is extremely on the metal side of the early black metal in terms of not being overtly punky... It is. It very much has the the punk, uh, the cool parts about punk that made it into second wave BM. Um, it's uh, the um, so they're they're not afraid of being physical or of having these kinds of struts. There are a bunch of if you like that moment. There are a bunch of other two steps and breakdowns on this record, um, and the um, so here so in a lot of the songs the sample. I guess one compositional difference, right, is that on the more neoclassical songs, the center is on these very long processional phrases, right? And on the more folky yeah. ones, it's centered more on the whiplash syncopated phrases. Uh, yeah, this song, more, as I, I guess that that's what I kind of thought of as like more more jaunty, more mm-hmm. brisk. I mean, yeah, all of yeah, it yeah, is yeah, fast. Yeah. All of it is hyper fast, but but brisk, brisk in uh, feel. I, I get, no, I totally get what you mean. Yeah. So this is yeah that um that is uh you know that's the center, but then you know you get the bam bam da and those are both just really heavily syncopated, and then they use the processional kind of rolling even eighths riff as the bridge basically to get us back to the ass kicking part. Um. Well, the the whole thing is the ass kicking. Well. Yeah. The more the ass kicking is. Yes. Um, and so I wanted to do some reference points for the. Uh, it turns out I've only sampled Sorin once on this show, and I just played the main riff from the title track on, uh, you know, uh, it, what, what what as soon as I. It's uh. The blue one or the brown one? No, the blue one. It, it at Glimmer on the Murkert's <laughs> dupe. Uh, yeah. I forgot the exact beginning of it, but yes. Um, so the um, you know the title track has just one of the my favorite black metal riffs ever, and it's just this incredible rolling whiplashing chariot lord riff. However, there is a bunch of you know the whole record is perfect, um, and there are some parts on it. This that last thing I sampled the you know this uh, Tigere i Gulden Pjalter is really you can hear the Sorinisms very clearly and their connections to specific riffs and parts so in terms of the main the whiplashing main riff um here's uh nar helvetet kalar just a very quick sample to show you what we're talking about That's pretty much the same picture. Yeah, you can hear the the whiplashing and the. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, a, a thing that's been forgotten in the you know fetishistic focus on triumphant riffs or whatever 
is that the reason for having the riff in the first place in metal is a, it's a delivery of force. If the riff doesn't succeed on that immediate level, it doesn't succeed, right? And Soren is, you know, Soren and uh, Gregorian have lots of notes, right? There, there's lots of notes. There's complex chording, but these are just um, re, the, every single, you know, just. I mean, the Soren the Sorenite record has some more spacious and lush moments, but it's just attack riff after attack riff. Um, and yeah, you can hear the, the whiplashing folk thing. Um, and here's another thing. What both bands do is that they write very, it's a very direct kind of riffing, right? It's centered on just like one guitar, maybe two guitars tandem in. But um, centered on one guitar and the chord, basic chord forms don't seem to change that much. They're just both... Sorin does something, I have no idea what they're doing, but they have this strange keening harmony that runs throughout the entire thing. You know what I mean? There, there's yeah, almost less of it on that particular riff. It's more of an isolated uh, lead. Um, but the um, one thing that I forgot that Gregorian does is that their basic chord forms... I mean, Gregorian, no, never mind. They are changing chords all over the place, and that's why you get to hear these cool things where they're little, little slip-ups or whatever. But the, um, mm -hmm. but the base of it doesn't change, and the base is just this stream of um, inverted power chords, which have way more tension in them than the regular power chord. And so you oh. can hear them sort of like dragging across the fretboard. Yeah, um, heavier, heavier dissonance. Yeah, built into, yes, not like having that weird scronky chord isolated, but having it built into kind of power chord style riffing. Um, mm -hmm. So now, um, here's the other thing, right? The strut. Soren also has tons of mosh parts. Um, and unlike Gregorian, has a lot of sort of, uh, you know, thrash or hardcore beat driven stuff. But here, here's, a, um, here's a mosh part on, or here's a, a two-step on Tils Doden Er Alatar. That's like some of those uh, some of the, some of those slowdowns in Gorgoroff songs, or like uh, uh, what was, what was like that? The more oh. uh, Morta Incandescente kind of does stuff like that a lot too. Oh yeah, Morta Incandescente. Yeah, yeah. It's a particular kind of like um, it's it's the kind of aspect of the '90s bands that is forgotten and the people who imitate them. Yeah. Um, uh, it's like yeah. that the first song off a of pentagram. Yeah, right? yeah, there, there. Yeah, the, Gorgoroth has a Cessna. Which what is which one? Uh, the gravel Cessna. Yeah, yeah. Gorgoroth has a few moments like that. Um, but there's you know there's just all this. Although this music has very lofty kind of um, you know compositional methods and you know ambitions and whatever it is still very much grounded in the physical. And, you know, I think, 
you know, what's interesting about this record is like, it's so out of tune with how, what BM has become now. And I mean, in a good way that like, it almost has more in common with the Hessian firm, dark metal bands. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I can see that kind of dedicated to the, I mean, kind of that long flowing riff idea. Not that all, you know, the riffs in this are definitely more short, but they, they got the spirit. Yeah, there's a complex. There's an, a, a a way of reviving the sort of complexity and uh, difficulty of the music, um, and you know the ambition and and keeping the hard edges. And the thing that separates Gregorian is just that uh, the the sheer insanity of the attack. <laughs> 